Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Wealth Ability Show with Tom Wheelwright. Way more money, way less taxes. Today, we're going to discover how to build a bulletproof business, even in a hyper-changing environment like we're in right now. And uh, I'm very grateful to be with Ken Gavronovic today, who is an expert in this. He's written the book, Business Breakthrough 3.0, and uh, has a ton of experience. And Ken, it is great to have you on the WealthAbility Show. Thanks, Tom. I'm really excited to be here. So uh, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, your background, because I know it's uh, extensive and you're a bit of a business nerd like I am, and uh, we'd love to hear about it. Yeah, sounds good. Well, I started off as always be like kind of a tech and business nerd. When I was a little kid, I was always kind of interested in technology, but also business problems. You know, I remember one time um, walking down a hallway just to date myself a little bit, and there was this fax machine, there's this line of people lined up for a fax machine. And I was like, I looked at it and I said, that's totally inefficient. And I wrote my first commercial software package that let people fax from their desk. So, you know, been doing business a long, long time, you know, and really just looking for those big trends. And I've been, been blessed to be able to scale some businesses. So I've done a business where you and I are putting our desks together all the way to 500 employees, a couple hundred million dollars, taking it public on NASDAQ as a CEO. Um, I've driven transformation at, you know, Fortune 50 companies. Um, run unicorns, public unicorns, where you've scaled from 300 to 500 million. And in these journeys, I've got to work with some of the biggest brands, you know, Disney, Capital One, um, to, you know, up and coming startups when they were like Slack. And I've seen clear patterns. There's clear patterns that either hold companies back um, or really enable them to go to the next level. And so we wrote Business Breakthrough really to kind of capture the way you can understand what's holding back your business and how you can unleash those and break through to that bigger growth. So, so let's start with that. What are, what do you see as the things that hold businesses back the most? What, what, what would be your top three? It's a good question for, for top three. Uh, I, I would say um, there's probably, I probably say there's probably five areas that you need to work on, you know, but let me think about the top three. The, the, the first part I think is that people don't understand that many of these things are not one-off exercises. So like one of the top things is a mission, vision, value that your company actually lives. A lot of people think that's a one-time exercise. We go get together, we write some words on a board, we put it on the, the front desk, and that's it. And when you do that, it really, really holds you back. It constrains your company for a long time because you're not living that culture. And when you live the culture that you articulate, you attract the right people. So like, that's probably, I would say, the top, the top example of where people don't think about how do we actually activate and live the culture we're defining and the benefits from whether it be hiring, firing, promoting, how you interact with customers. It really should be impacting everything across the board. But I would say that's probably the top one that I could think of. All right. So um, let's talk about values for a little bit, because I know you talk a lot about um, values and um, I'm a big fan of, of that 
of, of the whole idea of values because I think that's what your brand is. I mean, your brand really reflects your values and needs to reflect your values and uh, both your internal brand and your external brand. So um, when you look at those values, okay, what do you look, what are you looking for? Because they're your values, right? They're not anybody else's values and they're not right or wrong. They're just yours. So what makes that, how do you go about doing that? So I think, how do you go about activating? I said, the first part is defining the values is sometimes it's a founder, right? And so the founder may have had some values and this is what I want my company to be about. A lot of times it starts there. Maybe you've gotten to a much larger organization and now it's what's the culture that we want for our organization. I think the first step going back to activating on that is take a step back and make sure that you're going to be true to those values. There's many companies that espouse what they would like to be but not what they really are. So I would say the first thing is just like, you know, even yourself, like evaluate yourself is look at it as a business, say, what is our culture? Is it, you know, a family friendly work-life balance or is it a, you know, go out and, you know, push really, really hard, you know, understand what it is and embrace what your two, true culture is. Because when you have one culture that you kind of espouse, but you actually live and operate a different one, that's the first thing. Cause I always say, hey, listen, there's no judgment. Maybe you run a hard charging organization where everybody's running, you know, 65 hours a week. If that's what you want to be, then be that because you'll attract those kind of people. If it's a different organization, then be that. So that's the first part is like be true to what you are and then articulate it. And then the next part is then have your whole team really think through the lens. Are we interacting with our customers in a way that's true to those values? Are we, you know, because again, a lot of these questions that we go back and forth with, hey, can I put that pricing plan out? Um, or should I hire that person? They have the technical skills, but they don't quite to see to be a culture fit. If you're very purposeful, the answer is no, you don't hire that person if they're not a culture fit, period. No, you don't treat your customer that way if that's not what your culture is. Everything needs to be aligned for it. It's almost kind of like the DNA you know, for you know, the direction for your business. So do you see like um, your values, your vision, your mission, uh, do you see that as like the soul of the business? That, it's funny that you say that. I think we actually even almost talk about it in the business. It's almost like the soul of your business. That's exactly what I see it as. Because if you think about every single business, what is a business? It's a collection of people that believe. They believe they're going to get a paycheck. They believe in the culture. They believe in the mission. They believe in something. And so if you think about it, you know that getting that defining mission of here's how we are aligned as a group with that mission, vision, value, that is the core soul of the whole business. And if that's dysfunctional, you're going to see, you know, you're, that's where you're going to see silos in your organization. You're going to see people going in different directions. You'll see churn of some of your best employees. Um, it's really, really critical to get that right. Um, so, so how do you, you know, you talk about, well, you actually, actually have to live it. So how do you get that as part of your culture and actually in, in effect systematize it? Because it seems to me like it's got to be something you do in everything you do. It can't just be something that you do sometimes. That's right. Well, we talk about a lot of the book of a lot of different specific, because one of the things, there's a lot of times people have ideas, like everybody knows they need to have a mission, vision, value, but how do you actually activate it? How do you actually implement it day to day in your business? So we talk about that in a lot of the books. There are a lot of different practices and, you know, uh, you know, we call it the business breakthrough process, but, you know, it really is incorporated, whether it be like all hands, for example, Who's, who's, who's an example of our values? You're constantly reinforcing it and constantly thinking about all decisions through that filter. Um, so we spent a lot more time going into it. Those are the key things is really, as you do each decision, 
Is that aligned to our values? Is that driving us towards our mission? And if it's not, we need to ask, why are we doing that? All right. So, so once you've established that and you're really focused on that, what's then what would be step two? Um, the next one I like to think about is what I call uh, critical thinking frameworks. I don't know if you've heard of those, maybe heard of objective key results or those type of things. Um, I always like to summarize it when I talk to people, especially if it's some of my friends that uh, I work with that are, are small businesses, is I, I think about it, it's real simple, is are you an outcomes over activity company or an activity over outcomes? And if you think about it, well, what does that really mean is when you're thinking about doing an initiative, um, are you measuring specific business outcomes that we're driving towards or are you measuring activities of steps. It's amazing, you know, and this is this is something that happens in Fortune 50 companies to, you know, small to medium-sized businesses. A lot of times somebody's really busy doing some things. And if you just take a step back, does that drive you to your mission, vision, values? Does that drive you to your outcomes? And they're stuck in a lot of work that actually is not driving to business outcomes. Another example would be is if you probably heard about those projects that are $350 million and they're going in year one, they're on track. And then suddenly, right when it's about to get released, suddenly it's totally off track because that's where everybody realized, hey, this activity we've been doing actually doesn't accomplish the business outcomes for this project that we launched. So what we talk about is there's different frameworks out there where we tell you how to implement them. Um, I'm a big fan of what's called objective key results, where you get really clear as what's the business objective we're trying to do. And then here are those key results. And the the way that it makes your teams change is, is amazing without actually any work on your part. So, so break that down for us. Um, how to come up with what those measurables are, what you are trying to measure. How do you match that with the activity? Well, I'll, I'm gonna, if, if, it's, if it's okay, I'm going to give you an example. Um, just in, in, in real life of where I implement it. So there was a company that was, uh, I'll call it a public unicorn, and they really hadn't delivered a lot of meaningful products. It was a software company to their customers. And so we implemented objective key results. And so I'll give you a real life example. So when people came in and said, here's my plan to build software, historically success might be we ship the software. When you have an objective key results, okay, no success, that's an activity. I ship software. What's the business reason we're building this software? Is it, is our, what are we trying to accomplish? So true life examples, somebody came into my office and said, hey, we need to build this um, um, interface for our customers to access open source data. I don't want to get too detailed into that. And so I said, great. So what's success? And they said, we ship it. And I said, well, that, that doesn't really help us. Are we, are we trying to drive revenue? Well, yeah, we're going to drive revenue. So okay, how much revenue are we going to drive? We're going to drive $3 million in revenue. Um, we're going to um, make sure that we get so much data ingested in the system. So we went and changed it from shipping is shipping the product to we're going to generate this amount of revenue. We're going to do this. And in a certain time frame, we're going to generate this amount of revenue in the first three months of launch. And by having them think about those objectives and then those key results, you know, we're going to get $2 million in revenue. We're going to get it done in this amount of time. The team went off in that, in that example. At first, they were going to say success was shipped, came back in and said, hey, you know what? There's no way we can hit those business revenues if we don't do these other features that they weren't planning to do. So it really gets people focused on what's the business objective. Think about, you know, like things that you and I do, like we do marketing or whatever is what's, what are we actually trying to accomplish? We're trying to have conversations with customers. Um, it's amazing how much activity goes on that really doesn't drive any outcomes. 
So, so how do you, how do you evaluate that? I mean, for example, do you get granular down to, um, I like looking at expenses as an, ex, uh, the, the purpose of an expense is to create revenue. It's right. that simple. And it's not creating revenue. We need to not do that activity or have that expense. How do you get that down to the granular though, where you're talking about, okay, does this position create revenue or reduce an expense? Does this, um, does this activity, you know, what, what does it do? How do you get that granular into your, how do you get that granularity into your system? Great. That's it's good. Good question. So we talk about this in the book is we usually like a quarterly planning process. Again, depending on what size your company is, it might be a monthly planning process, but you think about all the initiatives that you're going to take. So you've got this idea to, you know, redo your website. You've got this idea to, um, you know, start some new marketing campaign. Um, you're going to build some new software, whatever it is. Okay, great. So we've got these ideas. All right. How would we know that idea is successful? Well, I guess the first question is, what are we doing? The objective is we want to uh, drive more engagement in our website. That's why that's that's why we're going to build a new website, for example. Okay, great. So then what are, how would we know that we actually drove more engagement? Well, key result might be we're going to get 20% more leads. We're going to get, uh, you know, 13% more organic traffic. We're going to get whatever it might be. But the idea is, why am I doing this? And then how will I know I was successful in that objective? And we walk through a lot of examples in the book of things that worked, don't work, because it's really key, important to implement it correctly um, so that you have that granular view. But once you do that, everybody gets super clear. Because again, in other words, if I'm going to build that website, if I don't think I can drive those numbers, then why, why actually start with that website um, update? Hey, if you like financial education the way I do, you're going to love Buck Joffrey's podcast. Buck's a friend of mine. He's a client of mine. He's a former board certified surgeon and he's turned into a real estate professional. So he has this podcast that is geared towards high paid professionals. That's who he's geared towards. So if you're a high paid professional, you're going, look, I'd like to do something different with my money than what I'm doing. I'd like to get financially educated. I'd like to take control of my money and my life and my taxes. I would love to recommend Buck Joffrey's podcast, which is called Wealth Formula Podcast with Buck Joffrey. I hope you join Buck on this adventure of a lifetime. So, so how do you get that? Uh, and I, I know I keep coming back to this, but uh, you know, to me, you have to, build it into the system because you want it to be self-managing, right? You want it right. to be, um, and, and, and self, uh, multiplying even. And mm -hmm. so, you know, how do you, how do you actually build that into the system itself? That's great. So the operating system of your company, that's really the way that we take it in the book is okay. It's great. I just told you a bunch of things, but how do you actually implement it? So again, the details are in the book, but what you do is you set up a quarterly planning process for your company. You think about all the different business units, all the different groups, sales, marketing, whatever it is, they all have things they're trying to accomplish for the next quarter. So you take those down and you boil them down to, okay, great. So what are you trying to accomplish? I've got this objective and this key result. So you have a forcing function on a quarterly basis where each of the functions of your business have to articulate what their goals are for the next quarter in that framework. After you do that, you have a statusing process where everybody gets to see the status, how everybody's tracking against their key results. So you see that usually on a weekly or monthly basis. 
And then you do a quarterly business review after that quarter where you said, hey, we set out to do this, red, yellow, green, these things we didn't accomplish, these things we did, and what do we learn from that? And that really, in the simplest part, that's the way you implement it. That first go around when you, you know, that question you had is very good is how do you really get good about objective key results? And that's where you want to have really good examples. Once you've got that done, then it becomes a rinse and repeat. And then every quarter you're making your plan, you're reviewing your plan, um, and you've got interim status points along the way to know that you're on track or off track. And that's great. Like if you're a CEO of a company, when you see the things that are going red, that's where you know where you need to spend some time. You can say, hey, listen, do you need some help? Um, do you have to, is it a resource constraint? But you know where you need to focus your time. Everything else is running on automatic pilot. Got it. So so we, we're, we've we been talking about the systems. Let's kind of shift a little bit to the employees because the employees make the system. I mean, they can make or break the system. Um, this is a big challenge we have right now. We have this quiet quitting. We have people, you know, this, uh, do we work from home? Do we work in the office? Um, how do you, how do you blend that, which the system sounds great. This is great. And, you know, we're, we're going to measure these results and everything, but then you've got the, um, the human side, the human element, which is, okay, well, we actually have to motivate these people to do this. Yeah. And that's a, a great question. And here's the part that's in, so interesting as I've seen this time and time again, is especially if you're a larger uh, um, organization. What human beings tend to first do is like to take orders from somebody else, but they also don't like it. So, you know, the boss says, we got to do this, we'll do that. I don't know if that was a good idea, but I'm going to do it anyways. That's what really happens a lot of times in larger organizations. They don't have a sense of ownership in the objectives they're trying to do, and they don't think they have any agency in trying to determine how they're going to accomplish those goals. And that's where the thing we just talked about, that objective key results becomes very, very powerful is in that quarterly plan that we talked about, is it's a bottoms up organiza organization. So you might set these key goals of the company, we want to increase revenue by 20%. We want to do this, we want to do that. That's at the top of the leadership. But then you let your teams come up with the objective key results. So what's the objective they're doing and what are the key results? If you notice, it doesn't say the tactics of how they're going to accomplish okay. those key results. It's the objective and the key result. And when you do that, what you actually are doing is empowering your team to run autonomously because now they can shift, they can go left, they can go right. As long as they're driving toward that objective and trying to hit those key results, you, you no longer have to micromanage that team member. And that's the part that going back to one of the things we say is we want to build the business that your employees love to come with is if your employees have that sense of autonomy and going back to the first thing we talked about, a culture that they believe in, then we've seen productivity go up by 65%. We've seen great new ideas get implemented because now everybody feels like they're no longer a part of the machine. What they do matters and they have agency into trying to win versus just kind of going through the motions. So, so, so what I'm hearing is, is you're not telling them how to do, you know, how to get to where you, you want to get. You just say, this is where we want to go and Correct. how you get there is up to you. So uh, in, in their day-to-day -day activities, they have a lot more autonomy and a lot more um, ownership and responsibility. Yes. And they also have a little bit more pressure because now they've got key results. So it might've been somebody else going back to like, Hey, I'm super busy. So therefore I'm doing good. But, you know, let's just say it's customer success where well, your goal might be is to grow revenue or retain revenue. So historically, you might be like, hey, we're doing a great job. We're talking to customers. 
Um, the the call queues really low, volumes low, you know. But if you're not, if the real objective is we want to grow revenue by five percent, or and we want to you know retain revenue at this net retention level, for example, that really makes it a much higher burden for them because they have to yes take care of the customer, but they also have to drive these financial goals. And at first, what happens is people are like, "Wow, I don't know if I like all of this accountability," but as humans, we all like to feel that what we're doing matters. So once you, they start to embrace that they've got clear goals that they can, they're measured against, that they had agency in creating, then they get very, very excited and really start moving the needle. So, so you use the word accountability, which I love, of course, being an accountant. And um, but my que- my question on accountability is okay. So you're you you we say we're going to hold you accountable. What does that even mean? So in other words. If they don't do something, let's say that they say, well, here's our, here's what we commit to. They've committed to it. They said, yes, we're going to do this. And then they don't do this. Now what? Well, it's a good question. So think about process wise is if they're not hitting their key results, then they're going to be statusing at red. And then hopefully they're thinking about how do I course correct? How do I get back to the, to, to the better thing? When you first implement key results, people might not have got the right way to do it. So I always say like the first quarter is going to be rough anyways, as people get used to a new process. But then from an accountability perspective, I go back to is, you know, as a leader, like I'm a big believer in leaders versus managers. Mm-hmm. As a leader, you know, if you, let's say, you know, somebody's at the sales group and they just hit, didn't hit their numbers. Great. What did we learn from it? What are we going to do about it? Is the question not like, you know, you're in trouble, you did something wrong. Cause that's how you create a continuous learning organization. Like my day job, I'm CEO of a company called Blameless, which is around just fixing software. And, and again, it's the same kind of idea is if you really want people to fix software in a great way, don't make them feel conscious that they're being blamed. It's all about that continuous learning. So I think if you change the culture to say, hey, listen, what did we learn from that? How do we go forward? Um, then there won't be that sense of like, oh, I'm accounting, you know, I did something wrong. And then everybody's going to be risk averse. And I would say is typically where you really see the risk averse is when you're measuring activity, because then people just want to do the activity. When you measure outcomes and key results, it really gets down to the bottom line and holds people accountable. You know, and there always is a chance that you have somebody that's maybe the right, not the right person for that, but that's the person that's not going to say, hey, I, I didn't learn anything. And they're continuously wrong on the things that they're trying to drive. And they're not looking at, okay, how do we fix this? How, how, do, right. we how do we fix this? And again, not looking for, quote, leadership to fix it is if they need help, they should ask for help. If they don't, they have all the tools to be successful. Got it. So so it really is a lot about empowering them, but it, you came back to it's got to be part of your culture that it's how do we make this better, not, you know, you did this wrong or you you made this mistake. Right. It's always about learning. Like one of the philosophies I always say is the past is the past. It's already written. There's nothing we can do with it other than learn to make better decisions right now. So final thing I want to ask you about, because you're you're a technology guy and we are in the technology hyperspace right now, if you will. Um, how do you deal with that constant change when, okay, you establish your culture. This is great that, you know, we've got our key measurables, all that kind of stuff. And then we have chat GPT thrown at us. We have blockchain thrown at us. We have all these different technologies uh, thrown at us. And the reality is, is to me, it's either Lee I- Iacocca, lead, follow, or get out of the way. And mm-hmm. uh, and so how, how do you deal with that and do all that while you're 
building this culture and looking at your um, objective key results? Well, it's a great question. So I always think about it is if you're really clear on your objectives and your key results, right? If you're if you have that clarity as an organization, then when new things get thrown at you, it's kind of like a wave hitting you in the ocean, right? It bounces you back, but you're focused on where you're going. And so you think about like chat GPT, there's going to be parts of your organization where they could use chat GPT tomorrow. And if you have a great set of objective key results, that's only going to help them achieve their goals faster. So they'll embrace the technology that helps them go faster to their goals. And then ones that are noise that really don't help, you can ignore those quicker. Because there's a lot of things that come in that maybe you shouldn't spend any time on. And there's other things that you should embrace immediately. I think when you have that clear North Star of what matters and what's going to move the needle, it really gives people that ability to think real time, hey, we should grab that and move on that very quickly. Awesome. So um, to, to finish up here, Ken, what would be the top three things that you would say any business owner needs to do in order to build this business that can thrive in our in our changing environment like this? Got it. If I could, I'm going to go to five, just because so I think there's really give five. us five. Five Maybe is five. Two. Yes. Five so is sixty like percent better than three. I always like three because I know our brains all work perfectly on three. But it really is. It's the first part is that mission, vision, value. Get get that framework in there. The next part is really have a, you know, a company-wide decision-making framework. I shared some of the things. We talk about critical thinking frameworks. The next part is make sure you're measuring and looking at the data regularly. So what does the data tell us? Because a lot of times people share their opinions, but the data is pretty clear. Revenue is going up. Revenue is going down. Margins are going up. Margins are going down. Um, organize your company to drive results. And when I say that is, you know, I always say you get what you organize for. So if people that need to work together, aren't aligned. Maybe they need, you know, that made up the same reporting structure. Um, and the the final thing I'll say is make sure that your sales process um, leverages and is cohesive with all of the other growth strategies. Because a lot of times, sometimes the sales team will go off in a different direction than the core company. Make sure that the sales team and its growth strategy is aligned to how you're operating your business. I think if you do those five things, you know, I've seen companies go from like zero to 200 million in two or three years. You know, obviously many of those are tech companies, but I have a, like a good friend that has six Marcos pizzerias and three daycares. It's implemented this framework and now it's a $15 million a year business. And he spends probably five hours a week at the business. I love it. All right. It's uh business breakthrough 3.0 and uh, Ken, where could we go to get more information about uh, what you're working on? Um, you can go to my website, kengaranovic.com, K-E-N-G-A-V as in Victor, R-A-N-O-V-I-C. You can pick up the uh, the book, you know, on Amazon, and we've got it on Audible. Um, actually, two weeks ago, it hit bestseller status, so that was pretty exciting. Nice. So, Congratulations. That's thanks. awesome. So, Tom, really appreciate it. No, thank you. And and just remember, everyone, that, that what happens is when when we really start looking at our business looking at our systems looking at our people i do think it all begins with the, with our our what is our mission what is our vision for our company what are our values and making sure that uh, we are doing that on a daily basis and i love this whole idea of uh let's make sure that um we're not micromanaging we're letting people decide how they're going to do their job we're just going to help them uh, and and they can help themselves come up with what are those critical results um, uh, that they're, you know, what are those results that they're really focused on? And when that happens, then what we always end up with, of course, is way more money. 
And in the end, we're going to end up with way less tax. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time. Take care. You've been listening to The Wealth Ability Show with Tom Wheelwright. Way more money, way less taxes. To learn more, go to wealthability.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.